Today's reading is from John chapter 15, starting at verse 1, uh, and you'll find that at page 1083 of your church, of your pew Bibles. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. This is the word of the Lord. I want to start by reading from Revelation, but from the Jesus Storybook Bible, because this speaks in a slightly different way. And for me, the words just really go to the heart of what uh, John is seeing as he has his vision. Revelation, last book of the Bible, John is on an island and God appears to him in a vision and gives him this amazing picture, hugely complicated in parts, but it culminates towards the very end of the Bible in, in this. I see a sparkling city shimmering in the sky, glittering, glowing, coming down from heaven and from the sky. Heaven is coming down to earth. God's city is beautiful. Walls of topaz, jasper, sapphire-wide streets paved with gold, gleaming pearl gates that are never locked shut. Where is the sun? Where is the moon? They aren't needed anymore. God is all the light people need. No more darkness. No more night. And the king says, look, God and his children are together again. 
No more running away or hiding. No more crying or being lonely or afraid. No more being sick or dying. Because all those things are gone. Yes, they're gone forever. Everything sad has come untrue. And see, I have wiped away every tear from every eye. And then a deep, beautiful voice that sounded like thunder in the sky says, Look, I am making everything new. What an amazing picture of what is to come. That stunning vision of all that is good, of all who God is in his glory, in kingdom, in his kingdom. And we often read that and think about the future. That is to come. That is heaven. That is what we're waiting for when we arrive in heaven through the pearly gates. But actually, we also know that Jesus is speaking of a kingdom on earth. That that vision that John has is God's kingdom. It's not a place. It's God's kingdom, which is God's rule. The way that God intended us to live. And that is what we're waiting for. The ultimate sense of God's rule, of his kingdom. And so we pray, thy kingdom come. On earth as in heaven. And so that vision of heaven is a vision for God's kingdom which is a vision for now. A vision of what it would look like if God's kingdom came in totality now. And that is what we are about, is what we pray for and why we live our lives. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That is what we're waiting for. That is what we're praying for and that is what we are called to be and to live. So what would it look like if every church loved and lived as Jesus calls his disciples to do and to be in John 15? What would it look like if every Christian lived as Jesus calls us to live and every church lived in this way and loved in this way? God's kingdom on earth would be real. And that's just such an amazing concept to have. It is so easy to become negative, to become cynical, to think that can never be, so I'll just wait till it happens in heaven. And yet, God says, my kingdom is here now. Jesus has brought a new era. Jesus, God the Father on earth, The Word became flesh and came to live amongst us, establishing a new way of being, God's kingdom on earth. So this is the vision we need to be aiming for. This is the vision we need to hold before us, God the King here amongst us now. I've just been away um, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday on a course which was um, slightly intimidating to say the least. It was a a leadership development course for bishops, and of course I'm not one. And I turned up, and everybody else was one, and um, 
I was really terrified and wondering what sort of reception there might be. In fact, everybody was wonderful to me and really welcoming. And it's been an amazing journey for me over these three days to, to get my head into a place where I need to get my head of thinking this is what a call will look like in a different role. So it's been hugely um, helpful to me. But we were asked at the very beginning on day one, it was a very sort of um, interactive um, training, which some people there had never experienced before, asked to do things out of your comfort zone completely, which gets some really good conversations going. But one of the things at the very beginning we were asked was to write a question that expressed our deep longing for the Church of England. There'd been lots of discussion about the structures of the Church of England, and that's the boring stuff. That's the stuff that hinders. But then it was, what is your deepest longing for the Church of England? And we all wrote a question, and mine was this, what would it look like if every church loved as Jesus loves. And as I looked at all the questions, they all had a similar feel to them. It wasn't that my deepest longing is that General Synod will actually get their act together and sort it out. (laughs) No one was thinking along those. The deepest longing was kingdom values, was kingdom stuff. And that is what got me excited. I thought, if this is what it's about, this is really exciting. The Church of England is in a fantastic place to seek God for kingdom values, for being who we are called to be. And I think John 15 helps us to think really carefully and practically about how do we do that? Because we can hold the vision up and say, this is what God is calling us to be. But how do we get there? And Jesus, in his final words to his disciples, is taking them on a journey. Yes, I am leaving you. But it's good that I leave you. That's what we looked at last week. It is good that I leave you. Because when I leave you, another will come. Another who will make me alive in you. You will live in, my, in your heart. I will live in your hearts, says Jesus, through the power of the Spirit. And you will be my witnesses. You will be the people continuing the work that I have begun of bringing about God's kingdom here on earth. So it is good that I leave you. But let me tell you how to do that. And he carries on through John's Gospel to pray for that. That Jesus in John 17 is praying for us. Which is phenomenal that he has prayed on earth for us because he prays for all believers. But here he's talking about what it might look like. And he uses picture language again. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Again, using imagery that would mean something to those who are listening. At the heart of these verses, 17 verses, there's some very simple messages. We need to remain in Jesus to be fruitful. If we want to live as his disciples, if we want to do his work, we need to remain in Jesus and we need to love one another. Like that, it's really simple. Incredibly simple. So I want to make this really simple and give you three headlines from this passage. Three things that Jesus says in his final words. Remain in me. Remain in my love. And bear fruit. And the first two lead to the third. Remain in me. Remain in my love. And bear fruit. So remain in me. How do we remain in Jesus? That is our life's journey. Jesus 
has revealed himself to us. We have said, yes, we know who you are. We love you for who you are. We accept you as saviour for all that you have done for us. And now we live with you through the rest of our lives. But it's a journey, a continuing journey, where we need to be rooted in Jesus day by day by day. Which means that our own discipleship is vital. My journey with Jesus, how I am journeying with him, how I am growing with him, is paramount. And we are responsible as individuals for that. No one else can sharpen up our discipleship. We can encourage and equip, but only we as individuals can take responsibility for our own journeys with Jesus. So when we say, I'm not feeling close to Jesus, we have to say, well, why am I not feeling close to Jesus? What is it in my life that means that I don't feel close to Jesus at this moment? No one else can do that for us. Remain in me. In my discipleship, in my prayer life, in my study of my getting to know Jesus. That is my responsibility and I need to take it seriously. So remain in me as individuals. Remain in me as a body of believers gathered together. Because we need to be part of a community that worships and praises Jesus. And as we come here week by week, we remain in Jesus by remaining together. People often say, do you have to go to church to be a Christian? And the answer is, no, you don't. But actually, to bear fruit and to be the Christian that you potentially can be, it's very hard to do on your own. And I know you'll have heard this analogy, but let me say it again, of the the fire with burning coals in it, all burning brightly together, and you take one out. And because it's so hot for a while, it remains burning and bright orange. But gradually, that colour fades. It loses its fervour. And eventually it becomes ineffective to create warmth. But put it back into the fire and together those coals burn brightly. Remain in me together is really important because our praise and worship of Jesus is a corporate act. Whether we like the songs or not, we are praising Jesus together. And that allows us corporately to remain in him So remain in me in my own journey, in my journey within a community. But remain in me as we face the pruning scissors or the pruning saw, whatever it might be. Because part of remaining in Jesus is allowing him to shape us rather than other things to shape us. Because we're not the finished model and we won't be till the other side of of life. Eternal life we will be in our true form, but here on earth we're not. And so we are being pruned. All the hard edges being rubbed off. Becoming less of me so that there is more of Jesus. That's a a work of pruning that we need to continue to be shaped and moulded. And our discipleship is part of that. But we're also shaped and moulded by the experiences of life. And we have a choice as to how we let them shape us. 
Will we let them shape us for good and for God or not? Positive experiences that might mean that we don't rely on Jesus as much isn't the right shaping. So how do we see the positive experiences of life as part of this moulding and shaping to make us more like Jesus? The people that we encounter, how do we allow them to shape us and mould us in a way that is of God rather than not? And the difficulties in life, are they going to take us away from God or bring us closer to him? If you haven't downloaded um, the Thy Kingdom Come app, can I encourage you to do that? because there's some amazing stuff on it. You get onto your app store, it's free, Thy Kingdom Come, and there's a video, a message, prayers every day, and a reminder to pray for five people. I watched this morning's video, and it blew me away. Have you seen it, Darren? I I didn't know what I was going to be watching, and I had to come to 8 o'clock, and I thought, oh my goodness, I'm not quite in the right state for coming over to lead worship. It is incredibly powerful. It's about sorry, is the big theme, and it's about a couple who have learned to forgive the man who killed their son. And it's an incredible video. It will be on the website later. I've tweeted it, so if you follow me, at Debbie Sellen, you can see it already. I need that Wanish Church to retweet it for it to get onto the website, and I've lost my ability to do that, but someone else will do that. So I would think by later today, it'll be on the website, or follow me, uh, at Debbie Sellen, and watch it, or download the app because it has such power in its testimony. A couple who could have been taken away from God that have allowed that experience to bring them closer. And they talk about it not being easy. They are so real. It sounds glib to say, yes, I forgive him. But that's not their experience, and they speak about that. But this is remaining in Jesus and allowing a horrendous situation to draw them closer to Jesus rather than to take them away. So I would really encourage you to watch that. Remain in me in our journey of discipleship within the community that we are part of as a body of believers and in the journey of being pruned. Remain in me. Remain in my love, says Jesus. And of course it's only the love of Jesus that allows any of this to be possible. His love is the supreme example. Greater love in verse 13 has no one than this that he laid down his life for his friends. Love each other as I have loved you. We only do for what Jesus has done. We can only love because Jesus loves us. And he creates the context in which we can love in return. I know love because God is love. I can only love because I am loved. And therefore I can only love other people through receiving that love from Jesus and allowing it to flow through me out to others. Remain in my love, says Jesus. So we need to know that love. If you don't know that love, come and talk to me. We need to know we are loved children of the Heavenly Father. We need to live in that love. And we need to be released in that love to love others. Remain in me. Remain in my love and bear fruit. So that takes me back to my question. What would it look like if every church loved and lived 
like Jesus. We have a glimpse of heaven. Thy kingdom come on earth as in heaven. We would come and sense, this is not what I experience when I'm in Tesco. This is a glimpse of heaven and we get that. And I rejoice that we have a glimpse of heaven every time we come together. But don't you want more? Don't you want that vision of John to be the reality more and more in our lives? Bear fruit, says Jesus. So what would we see if we're bearing fruit? Four things I want to share. Transformed lives. As we live in Jesus, remain in Jesus, and remain in his love, we see transformed lives. And we only need to look in the Gospels for examples. We've got the Samaritan woman. Wasn't even a part of the Jewish religion. Met Jesus, her life was turned around and she became a witness to others. A life of shame became a life of praise. The disciples who walked away from what they had known to enter into something new, to take on new ministries which would then carry on after Jesus had left. Nicodemus, who had to to meet Jesus at night because he was embarrassed and ashamed, perhaps, from the other Pharisees, that he had questions, that Jesus had intrigued him so much that he wanted to find out more. And he met him at night time. Questions are good. Don't ever stop asking questions. And we don't see much more of Nicodemus till the very end, where he's one of the Pharisees who puts forward the um, appeal that Jesus' body can be taken down and put into a temporary tomb as it was the Sabbath day. So something has happened in Nicodemus to take him from that going out not to be seen to being one of the voices that allowed Jesus' body to be put into the tomb. The blind man who could see, the grateful leper who understood what thankfulness was about, and the little boy who went on a picnic and there was no food. And he took the tiny thing that he had and saw something amazing happen, who now lives, or then lived, with the knowledge that anything is possible with Jesus. When we bear fruit, we see transformed lives. Let's think big about what transformed lives can look like. And let's look to see if we are not seeing transformed lives, then we're not bearing fruit. So what do we need to change in order that lives are being transformed? My life and those lives around me. We would see transformed society. Because we're not being the church if we don't have an impact. If all this transformation is stuck within these four walls, we've lost our DNA. We're not being who Jesus has called us to be. When Jesus stood up in the temple in Luke's Gospel and read from Isaiah, I have come... um, I'll read it properly because I'm not going to be able to remember it exactly. Luke 4, 18... The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Words they knew. And then he said, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He came to change society. And we live in a society that needs to be changed and transformed. A broken world all around us. And if we're bearing fruit, we are having impact on the world around us. 
I was on Twitter this morning and I noticed that Clive had tweeted at about three in the morning, so I reckoned he was on Street Angels. And that's an example, and he was, <laughs> and he's actually still here, amazing. But that is a, an instance of where we bear fruit in the world by taking the love of Jesus out to people who need to be loved in the middle of Guildford at two in the morning on a Saturday night. If we're not seeing a transformed society, we need to ask the question, why is that not happening? Why are we not bearing fruit? What do we need to be doing? So transform lives, transform society. We would have a transformed vision. What do Christians have? They have hope instead of despair. Where is our nation at the moment? We're in the depths of despair because we just cannot get things right. Is there any hope for Brexit? Who knows? But we sense the despair of trying to work it out on our own, don't we? Let God in. Because we have a different perspective, which means we have a transformed vision. We live with people with hope. We have hope. And that changes everything. And finally, we see transformed love. We love as Jesus loves. We love in a way that is beyond anything we could do by ourselves. We love when it's really tough. We love when it's painful. We love when we receive nothing back in return. We love our enemies, those who've hurt us, those we're angry with. We live lives of transformed love. So Jesus says, remain in me. Number one priority, walk with Jesus day by day. Remain in my love, know my love for you. And let that flow through you. And then you will bear fruit. And we'll see transformed lives, transformed society, transformed vision, transformed love. I want to end back in my storybook Bible. And this is the moment where the disciples are in the upper room at Pentecost next week. And the tongues of fire come down upon them. And they didn't quite understand what was going on. It was as if their broken hearts were mending. And God was giving them brand new hearts. Hearts that could work properly. They had seen Jesus go away. But now he was closer than he had ever been. Inside their hearts. And this time nothing could ever separate them. Jesus would always be there. With them loving them, whispering the promise that would get rid of the poison and the terrible lie and the sickness in their hearts, whispering God's wonderful promise to them, you are my child and I love you. Make your home in me as I make my home in you, Jesus had said. Could it be? Heaven was coming into their hearts. Amen.